Throughout history, faithful followers of Jesus have lifted the cries of the heart of God. Some have screamed out an injustice, acting as a voice for the voiceless and selflessly interceding for those in need. And those little prayers may have felt like just drops in the ocean to those who prayed them. But these prayers, like the one you're about to hear this morning, spoken by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., made an impact that has echoed through generations. Lord, we thank you for your church, founded upon your word, that challenges us to do more than sing and pray, but go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depends on us and not upon us. Help us to realize the humanity was created to shine like the stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when, we, when all God's children, black, white, red, brown, and yellow, will rejoice in one common band of humanity in the reign of our Lord and our God. Amen. So good. Would you thank Ken again for sharing that with us? Thank you. Now, this prayer and others like it have revolutionized history. God worked through the prayers of Martin Luther King Jr., and he continues to work through those prayers today. And this gives us such great and incredible hope that prayer changes things. That prayer makes generations, makes lasting impact. And we can't miss the value uh, that God puts on this important work of prayer. So Martin Luther King Jr., here's a picture of him, was a remarkable Christ-fearing advocate, advocate, activist, and leader. He was a visible spokesperson in the civil rights movement, and he is best known for advancing civil rights through nonviolence. His methods were inspired and driven by his faith in God. In 1963, King helped organize a march in Washington where he delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. And in 1964, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for combating racial inequality. Now, his life was not without many obstacles, many challenges, and he had many enemies, which often happens when you speak out with the truth. And in 1968, King was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee, and this was an enormous loss for our nation and for our world. And at his funeral, they played the last sermon that Martin Luther King Jr. preached at Ebenezer Baptist Church. Now, ironically, in the last sermon that he preached, he talked about what he wanted at his funeral. He didn't know that the funeral would be so soon, but he talked about it, and this was his request. I'm going to quote Part of what he said, he said, yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice, say that I was a drum major for peace, that I was a drum major for righteousness, and all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind, I won't have fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind, but I want to leave behind a committed life. After his death, King was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional Gold Medal, and Martin Luther King Jr. Day was established as a national holiday in 1986, a holiday that we all will recognize tomorrow. 
And because of his great life, because of his action, because of his fortitude, he made a legacy. He made a lasting impact. And he was also a man who prayed. He often talked about, he acknowledged that prayer was needed for any victory to come. That prayer was part of the process. Now, I I was thinking this week um, about Martin Luther King Jr. and thinking about how there are different kinds of people in the world, right? There are different kinds of people. You might be married to a different kind of person than you are. Don't like jab them right now. They probably already know. But some of us in this room are dreamers. How many of you would say I'm a dreamer? I'm a dreamer. You're always coming up with the most creative, exciting, preferable future. You can see well past the reality of what your current situation is. In fact, in your dreams, everything is sunsets and sushi, right? All the unicorns are farting rainbows. I mean, it is just beautiful there. Whatever happens, no matter what's going to happen, it's all going to turn out okay. It's sort of this eternal optimism. Now, some of you, you're not dreamers as much as you're thinkers. Before you make a decision, you do all the research. How many of you say that I Google things a lot, often, throughout the day? My Google app is up all day long. I want to know the reviews. I want to know if it's good to go. You never decide something significant without giving it a lot of thought. Chewing on it, processing the idea. You're a thinker. Us dreamers need you thinkers. (laughs) And then there's a third kind of person, and, and if you think this is you in this room, you're probably already thinking, Dreaming and thinking, those are for the weak. I'm a doer. How many would say I'm a doer? I get things done. People come to you for help. People come to you not for ideas. They don't come for the process. They come to you for solutions. You eat problems for breakfast. (laughs) My kids are 11, 7, and 4. And oftentimes they'll come to me or they'll be yelling from the other room, Mom, I, I can't get this Lego set together or I can't get the apple juice cap off of. And my husband, who's a doer, yells, work the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Dreamers, thinkers, and often particularly doers sometimes struggle with prayer. And here's why. We want to be doing something. We want to be fixing the situation. We want to be wrestling the issue. We feel like if we are not working toward it, then how is it ever going to get solved? Right? We we want to be working the problem. And as humans, praying about an injustice or praying about a need can often feel like we're not doing enough. But I think we forget the power. We forget the strategy in praying. And we decide we will take care of the situation our way instead of letting God accomplish it his way. Are there any dreamers or thinkers or doers in the room who can relate to this? Just clap a little bit if you're like, yeah, I've been there. All right. I've tried to figure it out on my own. Maybe I'll pray a little bit. I'll sprinkle a little prayer in there. But in the meantime, I'm going to figure it out. You're not alone if you do that. Here's the reality of the situation. God can do more in seven seconds than we can do in seven hours, seven months, or seven years in your best outfit on your best day. God can do more. And so, so often we sit in our situation 
And I'm sure Martin Luther King had these scenarios where there was a big problem to solve, but it didn't feel like dreaming or thinking or doing was enough. And what we have to remember is that prayer is the strategy. Prayer is the power. It's not the thing we do second. It's the thing that we must do first. Now, John Piper uh, is a pastor. He tells this allegory, and I loved it. He says, imagine you're trapped in a dungeon cell. And perhaps that dungeon cell for you is is a toxic relationship. Maybe it's a a financial weight. Maybe it's a health concern or a a fear you can't escape. It's dark. It's scary. It's hopeless. It's, It's an area of your life that you feel trapped. It doesn't feel like there's any way out. But you have heard that there is a tunnel of freedom on the other side of the north wall. The north wall is stone. You have no tools because So you doers who are all making a plan right now, you don't have any tools, okay? You don't have Google. <laughs> and you are sitting there and you're thinking about how to get out. And so for months, you use like little fragments of stone to chip away at the wall. And you work and you work to gain freedom, but you are not getting very far. And it's hard and it's dark and it's discouraging. And you are out of breath and you're out of hope and you're out of time. And just in weariness, you collapse against the wall. And your elbow happens to hit at the exact right place and the exact slight protrusion on the wall. And in a second, the stones move and the secret door opens and you are free. Instantly. Nothing in your own strength would have accomplished what happened. It was only the good fortune of finding that secret lever to freedom. That's how you escaped the trap. And what John Piper says is life is so full of so many dungeons, so many stone walls we find ourselves up against, and there are curveballs, and, and there are snowstorms, and, and there, are, there are train wrecks, and there are dumpster fires, and all of these things happen, and they hinder our joy, and they hinder our fruitfulness, but God has already given us this secret lever to freedom. He has appointed prayer as the key. He has appointed prayer as the key. And prayer, it needs to be prevailing and it needs to be persistent because we never know when the door to freedom will open. We don't know when the answer or the solution will come in prayer, but we do know who will bring it. We might not know when, but we know who will bring it. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 speaks to this. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, I'm sure Martin Luther King Jr. had to remind himself often of this truth. And so, to all the dreamers and thinkers and doers in the room, let's not forget that the hardest work, the most strategic work, is being done when we pray. God is working things out in his perfection. I heard a quote once that said, there is, a, there is power in prayer. When men work, they work. But when men pray, God works. Would you rather be solving it? Or would you rather God, the God of the universe, who has all the solutions, who knows everything from beginning of time to the end, and who loves you so deeply, be working on your problem? So we need to ask ourselves this morning these questions. First, what are your goals that you're working toward personally? What are the goals you're working toward professionally? And are you praying about those goals as much as you're working toward them? 
As much time as you're spending at the doctor, as much time as you're spending on WebMD, are you praying about the same health concern? Are we worrying about our finances more than we're praying about them? Uh, Are we processing our relationships with someone in our life more than we're processing them with Jesus? Have you prayed about it as much as you've talked about it? Have I prayed about it as much as I've dreamed about it, thought about it, or worked on it? Because when we pray, God works. When we pray, God works. We don't know how, we don't know when God will answer our prayers. He could answer them in seven seconds. He could answer them in 70 years. In fact, I believe he's still answering some of Martin Luther King Jr.'s prayers that were prayed decades ago that he's still answering those prayers long after Martin Luther King is here on earth, that his prayers have outlasted him. Now, outside of the results prayer furnishes us, we have to remember that there's value of prayer in itself. There is significant value to prayer outside just the results it produces. There is significant value to prayer outside just the results it produces. So I want to look in the book of Revelation 5 uh, to to talk to you about this. Um, Revelation 5.8 describes prayer as an incense being held in golden bowls in heaven. So imagine a big golden bowl, and the incense in it is our prayers. That's what the scripture says. And I want to read to you Revelation 8, 3 through 5. It expands a little bit. It says, Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all of God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This tells me that prayer is not just a holy walkie-talkie. It isn't just us radioing in, God, God, I need something. And and then God brings it. (laughs) Send a single handsome man into my life. That's not me, but I'm just saying, like, if you're asking that, I already have mine. But we're asking God for things. We're asking God for things. This is our holy walk talk. I need, I need just a few more dollars for Christmas. I need a better paying job. I, I need these things. It's, it's more than us telling our needs and desires and hopes to God like he's a butler trying to, waiting to give us another pillow. Okay, that is not what prayer is. Now, don't get me wrong. God is our father. He is our friend. He cares about everything you're asking. He's our physician. He's our shepherd. He's our helper. He's our savior. He's our Lord. He's our counselor. He's all of those things. But Revelation is showing us that our prayers are fighting a battle far greater than our daily struggles right now. I want you to see in Revelation what's happening. These bowls of prayers have two functions. First, it says that they're censers. Here's a picture of a censer. They're used to burn incense and to spread widely the scent. The scripture shows us that God loves the aroma of the prayers of his people, that God loves to hear your voice. So that means if you're on your face crying out for a loved one 
or you are lamenting some difficulty in your life, or you are praying uh, about the the traffic, or, or you're praying over your kids before they go to bed, regardless of whether that prayer ever produces the result you are asking for, the scripture says the very act of your prayer is pleasing to God. It is never wasted. That the very act of your prayer, we may never see the answer to the request we are bringing before the Lord. And to us, that can be frustrating. For us, that can make us lose faith. That can make us uh, feel like that's difficult to understand. Maybe at some point, because you're not seeing answers, you feel like prayer is pointless. But, but God is storing up all those prayers in a bowl of heaven. And those prayers are bringing great joy to him day and night. That's what the scripture says. So, so here's a challenging thought. What if you never experienced the answer to your prayer? Would you still pray if you knew it brought joy to God? If the only purpose in coming to God in prayer was to bring joy to him, would you still do it? What if you never saw one answer to any prayer you prayed all of your life? As long as you knew it was bringing joy to God, would you continue to pray? Revelation also reveals another function our prayers have, and and this to me is just fascinating. In in chapter 8, it says, we read, there's going to come a day when those bowls are going to become full. So imagine the billions and billions of prayers that have been lifted up from the earth are going to fill the bowls to the tippy top. They're going to fill them up. And these bowls will have many prayers in them from 8150 Oliver Road. There'll be, a, there'll be a, whole, a, a whole section of a bowl prayed from, from this building alone. And every prayer you have ever prayed, every prayer in frustration, every prayer as you fell asleep at night, every prayer that you prayed passionately will be in that bowl. And, and the scripture says that in that moment, which will be nothing like history has ever seen before, God is going to look at the angel and he's going to say, now, pour it out. Now, right now, now is the time that I have created from the beginning of time. Now, I want you to pour it out. And these bowls of prayer are going to be thrown on the earth. And the final purposes of God are going to be achieved. Revelation describes the events that will take place in these last days. And they are far greater than our minds can comprehend. But this is what it says in Revelation 2, 1 through 5. The end result will be this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So I got to thinking this week that perhaps, perhaps your prayer for physical healing doesn't come as you see it or as you desire here on earth. But Revelation says that that same prayer someday 
will be used to heal the earth of all death, of all pain, of all disease. That's what your prayer will be used for. Perhaps the prayer you pray for a reconciled relationship doesn't come this side of heaven like you've expected, but that same prayer someday will be used to make everything new, everything new, that no prayer is wasted. Because God is storing it up for the moment that he is going to produce this result that we will never see anything in history like it. Our prayers are not just intended to produce results here on earth, but our prayers are part of the final victory of God. The final victory of God. And even if we don't see the results on this side of heaven, our prayers are, are productive. They count. They count for what we're knocking and seeking for in the ordinary days of our lives, but they also count in the courts of heaven. They matter to the master plan of the whole world. Now, Jesus told us a lot of things. He didn't tell us everything, but I think one of the reasons that he revealed this truth about our prayers and revelation is because he wants us to understand just how powerful just how important, just how vital our communication with God is. It lasts for eternity. Now, if you're like me, from time to time, I can get in a rut with my prayer life. I can use the same phrases over and over. I come to God tired or maybe a little bit less than enthusiastic. And you know, the enemy hates prayer Obviously, we talked about why prayer is so great. The enemy does not want those bowls to be filled because that is the end of his day. That is the end of his time. And so he is going to, to try to get in our way and try to get in our minds and he'll do whatever it takes to get us from doing it. And you know what? Our natural flesh doesn't really love it either. So honestly, it takes renewed discipline to stay in sync with prayer. It takes renewed discipline. It takes a choice every day. And my hope today is that this fact that your prayers are going to be used as one of the most powerful weapons in all of the universe will breathe a little life into your prayer time. Do a little CPR on maybe some of, those, some of those days where you're feeling a little tired, where you feel like you're not in the rhythm of prayer. It will get you back into the presence of God. It will help you approach prayer with this whole new heart and this whole new passion is that the prayers you've prayed that you haven't seen the answers for are not expired. They're not done yet. They're not void of power. They're just waiting. They're, they're up there bubbling up, getting ready to bring a new heaven and a new earth into existence. That's what God is using them for. Now, Martin Luther King Jr., in his prayer that we read today, he prayed for the church. And I loved that. He prayed for the church. He prayed that the church would rise up, that the church would be on the forefront of the things of God. And so that's what I want to do this morning to, to close us. I want to pray for the church. I want to use our guided prayer time to pray for, for our church and for the churches in this nation and all around this world. And so for this whole series, we're, we're talking about prayer. We're going to do some what we're calling guided prayers. And, and this is just a few moments we're going to spend together that give you some practical examples of how you can pray when you're at home or at work or throughout the week. And my hope is that, is that these prayers will, will help you. We posted last week's on Facebook, and I hope maybe you had a minute to, to redo it again throughout the week. And that's going to be what we're going to do again this morning. And so um, to start this one, I, I would love to ask you if, you, if you're able and, and you're comfortable, I'd love for you to kneel 
um, at your seat, or you can just sit and bow your head if that's better for you. Um, if, if you need a little more space, you can certainly move out of your seat to an aisle or up front. But let's just take a minute and get in a posture of prayer. Now remember, if, if I say something that you want to agree with, all you have to do is say out loud, yes, Lord, or amen, yes, God. That just, it just puts you in a position of agreement. You can say it quietly. You can say it loudly. But we're just going to start with this. God, we come to you as your church and we pray, like it was said in 2 Thessalonians, that the gospel would be honored here. God, we repent of the times that we have not made you the priority. God, we repent of the times that we have been distracted. We repent of the times that we've tried to, to, to work or think or dream more than let you work more than we prayed. I pray you would restore back to us the heart of worship to you, that you would restore back to us the heart of worship to you alone, and that you would help us never lose our focus of our purpose, that you would help us never lose the focus of our mission. Jesus, we pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We know that your word says that you give good gifts to your children. So we ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Come and fill this place. Fill us up. Fill us up overflowing with your Holy Spirit. If you disagree, will you repeat this phrase after me? Come Holy Spirit. All right, would you please stand for the next part of the prayer, if you're able. As it says in Ephesians 6, we pray that words would be given to us so that we can boldly open our mouths and proclaim the gospel. God, help us be a church that is bold for you. God, help us not sit quietly when you want us to speak out, Father. Help our words honor you. God, give them power and effectiveness in advancing your kingdom. And Jesus, as your word says, if anyone lacks wisdom, we should ask you and you will give us strategic wisdom. And so we pray that your first assembly would have wisdom in our future steps. That we would go only where you want us to go. That we could see your plans for this church. And as we see them, we could run after them with all that we have, God. We pray for wisdom. Wisdom beyond our years, God. Wisdom beyond our understanding. And will you, if you agree, would you just repeat this praise after me again? Come, Holy Spirit. 
God, we pray that we would know you better, that you would increase our knowledge of who you are. As your word says, we pray that we would know the depth and the length and the height of the love of Jesus. And we ask that this understanding would change us deeply, that we would not stay the same. God, that we would not stay the same people, that the knowledge and the wisdom of who you are and your word would change us. Jesus, strengthen us in your power. Give us endurance. Give us patience. God, give us joy as we serve you. We pray for greater faith, bigger and bolder and greater faith. Make us a people who believe you are who you say you are. You have done what you said you have will do, God, and you continue to do it. God, make our faith great. God, make our faith great. And one last time, all together, in unity, with enthusiasm, can we just say this together? Come, Holy Spirit. You ready? Come, Holy Spirit. It is your strong and your perfect name, I pray. Amen. Amen.